broken people. I don't think you were broken. I know you are a man of conviction. A person who knows the difference between what is wrong and what is right. Try to remember that your relationship with your father also helped to shape those parts. He helped you become what you are. Would you do something with me, Lloyd? It's an exercise I like to do sometimes. We'll just take a minute and think about all the people who loved us into being. I, I can't do that. They will come to you. Just one minute of silence. Thank you for doing that with me. I feel so much better. I've always wanted to co-star with Tom Hanks. So, that was Tom Hanks playing Mr. Rogers, and that film gave a depiction of something that Fred Rogers actually did in life on a regular basis, and it's a beautiful and compelling thing. And your Bible app live event, if you have it, or if you don't, this is how you get it, uh, you can uh, go to uh, our live event um, and you will see that in there I have linked a couple of things. I've linked that clip from the movie because I do want you to watch it again. There's something about it that I think you'll find interesting if you watch it more than one time. And there is a clip from Fred Rogers at the 1997 Daytime Emmys being awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award. 
And he does exactly this. He does it only for 10 seconds. But uh, it's, it's stunning to watch these producers and directors and actors and famous people and how they react to this moment. Fred says, when you think of the people who have loved us into being. A couple things about that movie that I want to lift, that scene that I want to lift up before we move on. One is, uh, the film treated that moment as a sacred moment. So if you were watching carefully, hopefully you noticed that when Fred invited the moment of silence, uh, the whole restaurant grew quiet, everybody put down their forks, everybody stopped talking, and they were almost looking at him. Second, and this takes rewatching it a few times to see this happen, but I double-checked it again this morning, and I'm convinced it happens. That last little scene where it's a slow move in to Tom Hanks' face, there's a noticeable shift, a moment when he's looking at Lloyd, and then he looks at the camera. His face doesn't move, but his eyes look at the camera. He's looking at us. He's looking at the audience, inviting us to take part in this little exercise as well. Christmas of 2019, as a gift for the staff, we went out to see A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood in the theater. And when we got done, a little bit later, Pastor Kurt said, I think Tom Hanks just led me through a spiritual discipline in the theater. I said, he did. And everybody else who was there, too. It's powerful. It is a spiritual practice. Tom Hanks is Fred Rogers, and Fred Rogers himself would say, Think of the people who have loved you into being. And we, of course, who have come to know Jesus, we have been loved into being. We have been loved into being by God and Christ. We have been loved into being by other people as well. And as those who have been loved into being, our proper response then is to love other people into being. When we come to know Christ, when we uh, place our allegiance in Christ, our faithfulness in Christ, We trust Christ, and we go on that journey to to learning to follow Jesus and pursuing God's purposes in the world. Uh, Then we are equipped and prepared to love others into being as well, to love them into the kingdom. We become God's presence in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. We allow our love for one another as followers of Jesus and our love for our neighbors to bear witness to the kingdom of God to bear witness to the goodness of God and the love of God and the grace of God. And we allow ourselves to be sent out into the world as agents of change and redemption. This past program year, since the fall of 2020, we have been engaging on a series of series, touching base with our ECC touchstones. You might call them values, but we call them touchstones. And in the fall, we focused on the touchstone of welcome, We are a place of hospitality, grace, and community for all people. We went through a sermon series called Love Over Fear. We followed along in a book uh, by that name, written by Dan White Jr. And then in January, we moved on to our ECC Touchstone of Transformation. We provide the resources and relationships for the journey from curiosity to Christiformity, having Christ formed in us. And we engaged in a sermon series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we were encouraged to read along the book by James Brian Smith, The Good and Beautiful Life. And now, in this series, The Hope of Glory, we are exploring the ECC touchstone of presence, and that is that we are sent into the world as agents of change and redemption. And we are reading along in the book, those who want to, you don't have to, we are reading along in the book, The Good and Beautiful Community, also by James Brian Smith. And I encourage you to do that. We find it a great companion for the journey. 
This idea that we are called into being, that we are blessed by God in order to be a blessing to others, to be the presence of God in our world. This idea actually gets, if you'll pardon the pun, it's Genesis in Genesis, chapter 12, in the life of Abraham. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Ultimately, of course, that comes through the gift of Christ. But then it flows through us as well. We are called to be a blessing to the people of the earth. In and through us, because of Christ, we have become the children of Abraham by faith. And in and through us, we too become a blessing to the world. We have been blessed, and we are a blessing. 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us that once we come to know Christ, we are called to grow in Christ. We are called to become mature followers of Jesus. And that in and through that process of transformation, which is ongoing, we become God's chosen people along with Israel. Chosen for what? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God's special possession. Older translations translate that differently. This is where we get our word. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people. A peculiar people. Jim Smith, in the book The Good and Beautiful Community, and many others before him have taken that word and used it to talk about our calling to be different, our calling to be odd, our calling to be distinctive. And while I do believe that we can get there from here, I think it's important to tell you that the reason the word peculiar is actually there is because in the 1600s, when the King James Bible was written in the early 1600s, the word peculiar meant something a little more. It's changed. Uh, That meaning that it had in the 1600s is still there, but it's down the list a bit in the way it's used today. But you will recognize it a bit. Peculiar in that day and age and now sort of brought forward is a characteristic of only one person, group, or thing. It's something that belongs especially to one person, group, or thing. It is peculiar to that person, group, or thing. And God is peculiar in this way. There are many characteristics about God that are peculiar to him, especially when you compare him with the pantheon of gods down through religious history. God is peculiar, and therefore we can be peculiar as well because we belong to God. Jim Smith in The Good and Beautiful Community says this about God. The God that Jesus reveals is peculiar. This God loves humans so much that he became one of them and died for them. This God forgives when it is not deserved. This God is generous, never vengeful. If the God of Jesus displays wrath, it is only because God is good and loving and is rightly against sin because it hurts his beloved children. No one could make this story up. There is nothing like it in all of religious literature. That is because in all of the other religions, there is no God like the one Jesus revealed. This God is peculiar, and his characteristics are peculiar to him. And so we might say of a certain denomination or church, well, that doctrine, that is peculiar to that denomination. Nobody else really believes that. And it may be odd or strange, but what we're saying is it's different than everybody else. Or perhaps there's a particular shepherding characteristic that your dog has. I have a dog who is uh, half 
blue heeler. And he nips at the heels of my other dog all the time. That's because nipping at the heels of another animal is peculiar to blue healers. Or, my favorite example is, on Easter Sunday every year, these bow ties are peculiar to the Myers men. They are original. Kellen made them. Nobody else has them. They are peculiar to Jordan and Elijah. So what does it mean to be peculiar? We who are loved into being by God, we belong to God. And so you have the phrase in the modern translation, we are God's special possession, his chosen people. We are God's special possession. We are peculiar to God. We belong to God. And because we are peculiar to God, we might be odd or strange sometimes. Don't take too long to get to that place. Because when we are so enamored with God, so Christiform in how we begin to live in the world, when you enter a God or you, or you enter through us into the world uh, as people who are being formed into Christ-like images, as we enter into the world and the world is sinful and broken and unjust, and you come in as someone or God comes in as one who is holy and loving and gracious, well, that's odd. That's strange. That's peculiar. God is peculiar. We, the people of God, are peculiar to God. That means we belong to him. And we are called to be peculiar in the world as well. So we are, we are called, we are sent, we are equipped, we are sent into the world to bear witness to the upside-down kingdom. The upside-down kingdom of God. To bear witness to the love and mercy and grace and justice and kindness of God. And this makes us peculiar. The core of it all is our passage from 1 John this morning, and it begins there. So once again, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. I like to say, I don't mean this literally, but I like to say that's perhaps one of the most literal statements in all of Scripture. God is love. And so we're going to make it our good news statement for this morning. The good news that we celebrate this morning in our passage is that God is love. And when we are loved into being by the God who is love, we learn to love one another. First and foremost, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we learn to love one another. And when we do that, when we learn to love one another, when we learn to be one with one another, even when we disagree with one another... When we are in harmony with one, when there is unity, we are answering Jesus' prayer in John 17. We are doing exactly what he prayed would happen. In John 17, Jesus prays for his first disciples. And he prays for those disciples that for all they're going to need to carry on the mission afterwards. And then he shifts. He shifts later on in the chapter. And he begins to pray for you and me, the ones who will come to believe in Jesus because of the witness of those first disciples. Jesus says beginning in verse 21 of chapter 17 of John. My prayer is not for them, the original disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Then the world will know. When we love one another, friends, when we 
are one with one another. That doesn't mean we're all alike. That doesn't mean we always agree on everything. When we love one another, we become a testimony, a witness to the fact that the thing we believe with all our heart, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, is true. Our love for one another displays to the world the truth that the Father God sent the Son and that he loves us even as he has loved Jesus. If we know God, we read in John, 1 John chapter 4, we will love. We will love. If we know God, we will love. Love is the defining characteristic of the people of God in Christ. Not doctrine. Not whether we give everything away or sacrifice our very lives, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is the key, period. John goes on in our our passage. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Boom. I want you to think about that for a minute. The love of God is made complete in us when we love one another and we love our neighbors. There's something incomplete in the love of God until it flows out of us to one another. And that bears witness to the truth of the God we say we worship and love. The love of God is made complete in us. That word complete, if your thinking caps are on, is the same word we've talked about before, or a form of the same word. When we've talked about perfect or mature, it also means, the Greek word is teleos, it means to bring to the end to the proposed goal. To bring to the end to the proposed goal, that is, love for one another and love for our neighbors is God's goal. When we come to know Jesus... And we are transformed more and more into his image. And we learn to love one another and love our neighbors. We are moving toward the completion of a goal of what the love of God looks like in and through us. Teleos. John continues. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Once again, you have this picture. It's important that we acknowledge who Jesus is and what He has done. We know that we've done that. If we know we've done that and we know that God's Spirit lives in us, then we know that we belong to God. We know that we dwell in God and God dwells in us. It's that Mutual indwelling that we talked about last week in John 14. We make our home in Christ and His kingdom, and the Father, God, and the Son make their home in us. A mutual indwelling. Continuing on. God is love. There it is again. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Mutual indwelling. Again. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. I say to you again. Boom. We are like Jesus. 
It's part of me wants to say, God, if that is your plan, it was not a good idea. But it was his plan. We who have come to know God and seek to follow Jesus, we who are being transformed, we are called, equipped, and empowered to be like Jesus in the world. But I want you to notice something very important. It said we. It's plural. We. Not you are like Jesus, not I am like Jesus, though there's some truth to that too. We, as the people of God, when we love one another, when we are one with one another, we are like Jesus in the world. It is not our doctrine that is the most important. It's important, but it's not the most important. It is not whether we have the coolest worship. I think we have pretty cool worship, but it's not the most important thing. It's certainly not if we sell our souls to the Democrats or the Republicans and divide all over it. That's, you bow down to that, you're bound down to an idol, and we are not like Jesus in the world. Don't believe me? Watch Facebook. We are called to be one, even when we disagree. And it's we. We are like Jesus in the world. We talk sometimes here at ECC about a couple of things, a couple of numbers. One of those numbers is 3%. And we reckon that if you're relatively involved at ECC, if you worship on a regular basis, if you're a part of a small group or a book study or a Sunday school class, or you serve in some way, you're probably giving about 3% of your waking hours each month to churchy things in church context. About 3%. What's important, of course, and the 3% is very important. That's where we connect. That's where we build community. That's where we grow in Christ-likeness. That's where we rub up against each other and we learn how to live our lives as Jesus would live them if he were us. But if we're only succeeded in the 3%, if we're only succeeding in 3%, and you don't know what to do with the 97%, then we're failing. Because that leaves 97% of our waking hours are outside of church and churchy things. They're among our families, our neighbors, our co-workers. We've got to give attention to being God's people, God's peculiar people, if you want to say it that way, wherever we are, out in that 97%. Jim Smith, in the book, The Good and Beautiful Community, borrows this chart from Rodney Stark, scholar Rodney Stark, who looks at the earliest church and notices that when you, and these are all estimates, there are disagreements on it, but once you get down so far, everybody pretty much agrees exactly how it worked, where we got to. But uh, how we got there, there's a little bit of differentiation depending on who you read. But all of them agree it was phenomenal. And according to his research, 40% per decade, that's how much the church grew in those early, dec- early, early centuries. 40% per decade. Until you get to the point that we have, in 350 AD, 56% of the population identified as Christians. By contrast, today, 31% of the world population is Christian. So we still have work to do. So who, who are we in our 97%? Who are you? Who am I? This is not a guilt trip. This is an invitation. Because we were made for this. We were made for this. If God has loved us into being, what is our response to that to be? If, if God is love, what is our response to that to be? Jim Smith, in his book, at the end of each chapter, gives us soul training exercises, and we're going to steal that one right out of the book today. Um, 
he suggests something called two by four. The children's uh, message hinted this as well. Two by four. Two hours of worship. This week, this week, for some of you this is easy, (laughs) but not for everybody. This week, three or four days, give 10 to 15 minutes of your time intentionally to God. You may get up earlier, you may do it before you go to bed or over lunch hour. Read scripture, pray, sit in silence, put on some music, worship, 10 to 15 minutes. And then next week when you show up for church online or in person, get there early, even if it's online, get there early. Reflect and prepare to worship, and when you worship, give yourself to it. That's right, this hour will count as one of your two hours. This should be easy. Two hours of worship. Worshiping the God who has loved us into being. And then he asked for four acts of peculiarity, which is a difficult word for me to say, but blessings. Serve someone. Intentionally encourage or speak kind words to someone. Listen to someone when they're talking to you. Really listen. Take somebody's garbage can back up. These are, these are simple things. Back up to the top of the driveway. Or, he says, you can practice what he calls, he got it from somebody else, what he calls acts of maladjustment. You prove that as a follower of Jesus, you are maladjusted to the problems of this world. So, my sin is I often buy more things than I should buy. Usually books. Ask my wife. Or look in my office. <laughs> I choose, or we choose, not to buy something we want to buy. We war against greed and materialism. Things like that. Or you choose to intentionally slow down to, to, as an as a act of protest against the hurried nature of our lives. Acts of maladjustment. Four of those this week. I hope we can get into a rhythm of that because I think it trains us in how to be people who love others into being. And as always, we invite you to uh, join us in the book study, the book reading. Uh, You can do it on your own. You can probably join some other people to do it as well. Uh, The good and beautiful community. And if you are doing it, uh, even if you're just doing it on your own, it would be a big help to us if you went to that address, ecclife.net slash gbc for good and beautiful community, and let us know because it really helps us to get a sense of who all is taking part. You don't have to. We're going to make Sunday morning what it is, but it would be a good companion for the journey. And then the one last thing I want to do this morning is this. I want to take our cue from Fred Rogers, and I want us to practice one minute of silence. You can close your eyes if you want. You don't have to. And I want us to allow God to bring to mind for us the people in our lives who have loved us into being. One whole minute of silence. This is where it's awkward and people tune in in the middle of this and go, what are they doing? Nothing's happening, but that's what we're going to do. One minute of silence. Who has loved you into being?
God, we thank you for the people that you have brought to mind, people still living, people who have passed away, who have played a role in loving us into being. We ask your blessing, Lord, on these people. We ask you give us words or ways that we might communicate to them this week, in the coming days, what they have meant to us. And we pray, O oh God, that we would take this goodness that you have shown to us and we would turn around and love others into being as well. Lord, give us your heart for the people around us. Give us your heart for this community and this world that we might be like you where we are in the relationships where you've placed us. And God, I just acknowledge that for some of us, perhaps there were people that came to mind who have not lived well, who have not loved us into being as we would like, but nonetheless, they have shaped us. And I pray, Lord God, that you enable us to forgive. I pray that you would enable us to love them anyway. And I pray that you would enable us to take the steps that we need to take to find the healing that we need, that we might better be suited to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And we pray that you would receive all the glory and all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.